That's right, that good old, old town road by Billy Ray Cyrus. And I can hear some old stuff now. Welcome back to Range Anxiety. I've been a little bit tongue-tied there in this intro. I'm doing a ride-along today in the Tesla Model 3, and we're in and out and about among some old-school V8s, and I'm actually on my way to a car show. I've just been at a weekend exhibition that we've done at Powertech Tuning, so I'm very social at the moment, and as you might notice, there is no co-host on this midweek session, which I'm actually recording on a Sunday. I'll come clean and tell you that. But Old Town Road, Billy Ray Cyrus, eh? Big daddy of Miley, the old wrecking bowl. Yeah, great stuff, that. <laughs> and yeah, well, well we're, we're sitting here, I'm going to a car show today, and by myself, Paul's still infested with the COVID, he's gonna lose his mojo over this, I think, which is gonna be a shame for all the boys up at Roxby Downs. But Old Town Road is very much um, the topic of today's conversation. Sorry, I'm just pulling out into some quite heavy traffic here and we'll need to use a little bit of throttle, which I've just done. Um, because there comes this point, and I've just realized it recently. I mean, as you know, if you're a regular, these happy cars. I drive a lot of modern cars, new cars, and pretty much the, the car I dro do drive every day and that we're doing this podcast in now due to its wonderful technology. And we'll just go under autopilot, ding dong, bing bong. Um, is about as new and as, as, as radical as they get, you know, within the, the realms of modern affordability or everyday man sort of, and woman cars. Um, but there comes a time when you jump into a car and you say, wow, this is an old piece of shit. And what I've noticed is what I used to think was old now seems ancient. What I used to think was kind of modern at one stage now seems old, right? You get me? It's, it's quite weird. Um, let me take you right back, back to a day when, you know, there were horses and carts pretty much when I was a kid, damn it. Um, when I was a, a wee nipper and I was, uh, just before I started secondary school, high school, I helped my father across the summer with a uh, restoration project he was doing. Now, now that, that vehicle, that's where I first learned how to use a wire brush and uh, first uh, decided that working on cars really wasn't something I wanted to do. <laughs> had summer holidays, you know, <laughs> had me a blast. Um, a vehicle was a 1927 Austin 7 Chummy, and you know, they're a little four cylinder thing, and I think they were seven horsepower. We covered in Epicast right back at the beginning of this podcast, uh, Epicast Lancelot. I reckon we talked a little bit about the Austin 7, but that was a 1920s car that's coming up a hundred years old now, and it was coming up 60 something years old when I worked on it. Yeah, oh no, 50, 50 something years old, 58, I don't know. It was about 60, it's older than I am now, that's for sure, by a long shot. And what was really funny about that is this thing had like a wooden frame, you know, they had like um, a beaten metal body over a wooden frame that shaped them, and you know, so some of the woods were rotted out and we're putting new woods in it. And it had been painted. This, this was in the oh, 70s or 1980 or something. I was, I was helping my dad with this. It would have been about 1979, 80, I reckon. So there you go. 
puts a bit of a perspective on it. Um, it had been painted probably 50 times and so there was all sorts of bog and shit to dig out of the bodywork and wire brush the floor like the underside we had it on a bit of a rotisserie and um, you know did the sort of the stripping back of the body to bare metal that way and I remember thinking at the time wow this is an old car you know this is back in the days when you actually hung your arm out the window to indicate <laughs> you know what I mean and uh, the headlights were up where our conventional wing mirrors are on a car now old car and I thought wow this is an old car happened to deal with one the other day you know this car that's now coming up 100 years old and it's not even they're not even really like a car anymore are they they're like some ancient relic from another world so what was old then became like otherworldly to me now and then let's go forward a bit when I used to have a, a HR Holden 161, I've spoken about this wonderful car that I sent a punched into a, a light pole <laughs> as a kid. And you know, that had a 161 and three on the column, manual and manual, three speed, all of those that like a laugh at my YouTube antics. There it is again for you there. And that, you know, I used to use this thing as a daily driver in the uh, late 80s. It was 20-something years old then, probably. Yeah, it would have been 23 or 2 or something like that. And, you know, and I knew it was an old car, but it was nothing otherworldly or unusual about jumping into a car that had wind-up windows, uh, had no air conditioning, had uh, a tiny little, oh, sorry, quite a big, but tiny rimmed steering wheel that seemed to have no connection with the front wheels, you know, there was that much slop in the steering box. You know, those things didn't have rack and pinion steering. There's that much slop in it. it had a clutch that kind of worked and brakes that kind of half worked after a couple of pumps. Again, we covered that off. But I could get in that car and think that was just what cars were. And I remember graduating from that to a Mini Clubman. Nine, uh, ten, would have been a thousand cc and you know, that kind of because they had quick direct steering and you could actually drive them around a corner even though i had bolt retreads on it <laughs> that's right nothing much changes with me does it um it it was a revelation because it steered and again it had a big bus steering wheel with a tiny little thin rim on it you know what i mean um crazy crazy stuff I reckon I'll take this exit and see how we go this time yeah so I always get confused at the south road exit I don't know why maybe I'm getting old in the car because I, I haven't got it on um, navigate so it shut you know so it doesn't talk while I'm trying to do this epicast won't tell me where to go that'd be one of the only things of people that doesn't so the mini was a revelation but again it had no brakes at work no clutch at work so imagine then while I'm driving around pieces of shit like that and they were genuine you know genuine pieces of shit imagine jumping into my friend bought an et turbo and it was a i think it was this pulsar nissan pulsar and oh, sorry i think they're an n12 weren't they no yes n12 et turbo with an e15t engine and it was that centenary edition and it had um it might have been nissan's 50th or birthday or something like that and it was the burgundy and gold one. And no shit, man. This thing was like a spaceship. 
No, it was EF5, when it was turbocharged, it breaks away. He let me drive it. It was just absolutely bloody incredible. You know, old 70 kilowatts or whatever it had. It was like nothing I'd ever driven. And it was like, you know, we lined up, I remember on Anzac Highway, and this is before there were speed limits in South Australia. I remember lining up a six cylinder Cortina, maybe a TC Cortina. And just, and it was a hot one, you know, it was lowered and had big wide wheels on the back and an exhaust. And this ET Turbo just, just absolutely stripped the thing to the point where these guys wanted to kill us because some jack crap had just blown them away. Yeah. So, you know, that was a spaceship as the Cordia Turbo, which came out about the same time as this vehicle, as, as the ET. That was a spaceship as well. But I had the opportunity to drive an N12 the other day. And what a horrible old coach. And I, well, it wasn't horrible, actually. I, I've, I've got a soft spot for those things. So I reckon they're actually a cool package. And look, here comes a proper road router, Proper mud mongrel. Awning, awning and shovel. And he's in a hurry, as they all are, their road races. He's off for a poo. Pretty hot curry last night, no doubt. Um, and just the the antiquated look and feel of this N12 kind of blew me away, right? Just absolutely blew me away. Um, still drove all right, but again, disconnected steering, spongy zero-fill brakes, um, real light, whippy action in the, in the gearbox, and Nissan were, elderly Nissans were really good for that. I know any manufacturer that really got their shit together in the shifting department uh, as well as Nissan did. They did a really, really good job there. But I looked at it and I marveled. About the only modern thing about it was the fact that the aircon still worked. Gutless is all hell. I remember them being a bullet, right? Gutless is all hell. I thought, wow, it's not the cars that have changed, it's us that change, it's me that's changed and really bringing a focus on this is um, a, a 68 Shelby GT500 brilliant thing concourse winning car that I it was a family vehicle and I had custody of for a while and people are going why don't you drive it more you know it had these seats without headrests and it had a factory roll cage and factory harnesses which was pretty specky right but it had seats without headrests. Um, the normal belts were just lap belts. The seats themselves were sort of like uh, convex, like they bulged out. It was really quite weird. And so when you sat in them, it was all plush and funny. There was zero support in the seats. Again, huge steering wheel with a tiny little thin rim. That was, you know, that was a mark of the times. And with no connection to the road at all. Tiny little skinny wheels on it. Um, you know, not great throttle response. They're not, I mean, that was a fast car, like a GT500. was a bloody weapon. You know, probably 14 second quarter mile, bloody weapon. And was that a 4, 428? Yeah, 428, big block in it, like crazy. From the factory, had a... Detroit locker in it, so that means it was a clunky bastard that drove like shit. It was just crazy, right? But again, people used to say, why don't you drive it more, Martin? I reckon I drove it in the three years I looked after it. 
I reckon I drove it all of four times, you know, and then not very far. It was just horrible. And, you know, compared to my HR, it was like a Formula One car. And I used to think my HR was all right. Yeah, I thought this was horrible. So this makes sense why my generation, a lot of them are meatheads, um, like me, I suppose, but worse, some better, um, that want to hang on to this shit and cruise it. But they're really, really horrible bloody cars to drive. There's no connection, no involvement, um, no nothing good to see or feel. The, the performance is okay, but it's, you know, any Commodore with an OTR will blow it into the weeds over the radiator inlet. Like, so, it's just... It's just really, really weird. And, and I, did, I didn't enjoy driving it at all. Um, super weird. But we change, right? And this is why I understand that my meathead generation that hold onto these things so dearly, like the next generation, like the kids, the kids, young adults that are in their 20s and 30s now, will have absolutely no connection with this stuff at all. Absolutely none. And if you, you know, if you ask them to drive it, they'd just look at you like you're mental, you know, and they might drive it, but they won't enjoy it, and it's just shit. So this is why, this is why the price of Japanese cars has gone up so hard, so fast, and, you know, I'm going, I'm heading towards this car show now. There are people absolutely everywhere on the street and doing all sorts of things. In fact, I don't really think I want to be involved in this. There's people, there's people doing all sorts of crazy stuff here. So I'm actually going to head out of here before I get um, a bottle thrown at me or something. This is Adelaide in the middle of the day. It's bloody crazy what's going on. So yeah. I really don't want to be involved in that. Thanks. Yeah, so okay, we'll get out of there. There's some stupidity going on that we don't really need to be involved with. Um, this is why the cost of, of JDM cars, or the prices of them, have gone through the roof, right? Oh, and here come the boys in blue. This is what happens. Oh, and you're going to a car, mate, and doing stupid shit. And we'll get locked up. So this is why the price of JDM cars has gone through the roof because, you know, anything from the 90s, and we're talking about, you know, an R32 Skyline, whether it be a, a GDR or a GTST, is, is quite a pretty cool thing, right? Um, drivable and still daily drivable properly. And air conditioning works, everything works, all the power assistance and everything works. Really, really good shit, right? So. This is why these cars are going to increase in values and things like the Shelby, or maybe the Shelby's not a great example because it's such a rare and desirable car, maybe the Shelby um, will hold its value, but your average 66, 65, 64, you know, 65 I think was the start year. Mustang, here come, here come the boys on their hogs. There's a few, a few of the lads out today. Whoa. Um, this is why they're actually going to stay around thirty, forty thousand dollars because 
no one actually wants them. And as my generation get to the point where we're too old to drive and we're in our, you know, 80s and or whatever in, in 30 years' time, <clears throat> their prices are, you know, they're going to get left to your kids and your kids aren't going to want them and they're just going to take them down to cash converters and pawn them because to them, they feel like old heaps of shit. So what is it that modern cars do? Well, these cars that I've mentioned and the JDM ones were very, very good at it. What is it that they do that um, makes them so desirable? They have this thing called connection. Now, don't start rabbiting on about soul. Soul is an absolute shit term for cars. Like I said, made up by journos. Cars do not have soul. Cars are nuts and bolts and glass and metal powered by petrol or electricity or diesel or alcohol, whatever you want. They don't have soul. But what cars do have is connection, driving experience and connection with the road. Now, the good thing, well, there's going to be some street races out today. Look at this, V8 Falcons everywhere. And here I am in a poor Model 3 performance, and I, I don't even think about that. The connection, that the biggest thing you first feel, the, the two things you feel in a car, well, I feel in a car, that make or break it, are the seats, right? That is really important because how your body is held determines then how you communicate with the car. For example, one of the best upgrades you can do to a lot of cars, particularly if you're taking them to the track, is put a race seat in them so that you're not supporting yourself or supporting your body against the steering wheel trying to hold yourself still. You are held still and all of a sudden, you can feel twice as much back through the controls, through the steering wheel, through the pedals, through everything else, and everything starts to make sense. So cars with modern seats, that's the first one. And then the second is the feel through the front wheels from the steering. Right? You don't want to feel every jolt and bump in the road, but a good, nicely weighted steering system, in my opinion, will allow you to feel, as we like to say in motor racing terms, the slip angle of the front wheels. So that, you know, you can feel when you've got a couple of degrees of lock on the steering because you can feel that slight resistance and as you move as you just those tiny movements through your wrists you can feel the car's attitude starting to change that's nice to me you feel like you're connected to the road so this connection via seats via the steering wheel and lastly via the pedals is what it's all about now traditionally a race car has has a very heavy brake pedal because they don't use power assistance so you got to stomp on them and that's not something people that don't drive race cars it's not something they can easily adapt with or to because it just doesn't make any sense to them so a good a good road car though won't have overly over power assistance it'll have a bit of a firm pedal and it will have feel through the pedal so that you can modulate the pressure on the brakes and keep it off that point of abs or lock up very very easily you know what I mean? Um, old cars don't have that. It's like step, stepping on either a piece of wood or a dirty old worn out 10 centimeter thick wet sponge. So this is what old cars don't have and the Shelby didn't have. It didn't have any connection through the steering wheel. It didn't have any connection through the brake pedal and it had horrific seats. So you see how it doesn't make sense and last but not least, 
is the fill through the throttle pedal. Now, with a normally aspirated, sorry, normally aspirated, with an internal combustion car, I like to call that the noise maker, because not always does the throttle uh, respond with instant torque, because you know internal combustion engines by nature are barely torqueless, horrific things until they're revving. So, as long as it responds properly with a changing amount of noise as you move the pedal, it's doing its job. And you know, one of the things we do when we tune a car is we take a lot of that lag uh, response delay time hysteresis out of the pedal because they talk about this a lot in, in manufacturers terms saying thou shalt not clunk from the factory because I don't want people coming back for driveline lash. Um, oh, hang on, we got someone alongside us here. Oh, it's an old BMW. Mate, I'm pretty safe from you. Um, and, you know, they don't want the driveline clunking, so they'll make the throttle terribly um, ineffective. Uh, can we go here? Yeah, I think we can go around here. It's green. A bit hard to tell with these new lights in Adelaide. Um, but we take that out of them and make them like a cable one-to-one. -one. And that's one of the things people say is the car feels so much better now because you've fixed the throttle. Um, electric stuff is, is obviously crazy. It has the best, well, uh, the electric stuff I deal with has the best throttle response of all because it is instant, it is linear, and in most cases it's variable different modes, you know, so you can make it aggressive, you can make it soft or whatever, but it is the best. So, you know, modern car, thick rim steering wheel, direct steering, beautifully made seats that hold the body, brakes that have fuel, and throttles in the world, especially in the case of this Model 3 Performance, throttles that aren't noisemakers that are actually like they're wired to part of your body so that the delivery is instant and fantastic. Um, which begs the question, with all of this great stuff around, how can you get enjoyment out of driving an old car? Now I know people that do it, you know, and love it and simply love it and reckon it's wicked and you know, wah, wah, wah. But seriously, who are you kidding? If you think that shitful driving experience, and you know, add to that the, the actual ever present elephant in the room of um, zero reliability, and you're gonna stop and break down at any time, particularly if the thing's modified. You know, 50 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old cars do that. That's just what they do. Most of them did it when they were new, because they weren't very bloody good. Oh, the Rosses have got someone here, the coppers on the side of the road. What are they driving? Oh, they're in a Kia. Very interesting, and it's a detective car, and they're doing some breath testing and pulling people over. Um, yeah, this copper, he's, he's not even looking at me because I'm driving a Telstra. Isn't that fantastic? He doesn't know if he can give a phone a ticket. So, yeah, I understand the kids of today or the young people of today that, that are paying through the nose for R34s and now R35s and stuff like that because they were actual proper cars when they were built. Um, as were Supras and stuff like that. They were proper cars. They weren't reheated shit boxes, terribly designed even in their day, that provided absolutely no pleasure at all, apart from the ability to do a skid, and then only sometimes. But, is it doing a skid? Isn't that what it's all about? Will you have a think about that next time, and let me know when you tune in to Range Anxiety.